Ferengen we're going to learn now is a very unusual Ferengen. Always in Chabad it says that the way Shabbos Bereshis goes, that's the way the whole year goes. And Shabbos Bereshis is a pivotal Shabbos. But in the most recent Ferengen that I ever gave on um, 1992, Pashas Noyach, um, Rebbe spoke about how pivotal Pashas Noyach is. Not just how it's pivotal, but Rebbe concluded the Ferengen in a very unusual way saying the Sukkim of Shema Yisrael, Baruch Shem, Hashem Hulakim, seven times. So, uh, so if, if you're waiting to, uh, for the pivotal time to uh, make a step up, you haven't, it's, it's not over. Let's go. Pashas, this is um, the same setup as this year, right? The fourth of Cheshvan, not the same setup, almost the same setup. Yeah, it is. Same setup. Yeah. Same setup as this year. Okay, Parashas Noach is a general Shabbos. What does that mean? Since it's a first Shabbos in which we conclude the six days of the week after Shabbos Breshis, Shabbos Breshis is the conclusion of the holidays of the month of Tishrei, and then we now need to get into the world and do stuff. So the first conclusion, the first Shabbos that concludes a whole full week of after the holiday season after God, so to speak, recreates the world on Shabbos Bereshis, uh, then there is, well, God recreates the world every second, but Shabbos Bereshis is pivotal because it's the conclusion of the holiday season, so now we have the, the, the six days of the week, and now Shabbos, Shabbos Parshas Neach is the conclusion of, of that, um, that period of time. The title of the Parsha, Noach, Noach means tranquility. When a person works and they uh, rest from their work, they are in a state of noyach. They're in a state of nachas ruach, state of pleasure, state of relaxation. And the Torah says when God rests on the seventh day, the Torah it says by Yishpois, God rested. But the Aramaic translation of rested is v'nach. Nach means to uh, be in a state of menucha, a state of tranquility, a state of rest. And that is the title of the Parsha, and the title of a Parsha underscores, encapsulates the essence of the entire Parsha. That's what I'm trying to say, yeah. Menuchas Nefesh. Parsha's Neach is about Menuchas Nefesh. So there's six days of, of work in this week after the holiday season. Now Parsha's Neach is about the Nachas Ruch, the pleasure after that, that period. What does that mean? Why is there a special, unique time of menuchas nefesh in this parasha. Tranquility. One of the reasons that Shabbos Bereshis is considered such a pivotal Shabbos, as our Rebbeim say, that the way Shabbos Bereshis goes, that's the way the whole year goes, is because Shabbos Bereshis blesses all the days of the following week. All the first days of activity in the world are blessed by Shabbos Bereshis. And the first week of the year after Shabbos Bereshis, which is this week, includes within it all the weeks of the year. Because every week is really a petition of the weeks before. So, if Sunday till Shabbos, the first week of activity in the world fully is Pashas Neach. So it's the first full week of the year. Why is Shabbos Bereshah so important? Because it blesses the week of Pashas Neach. So we have in Pashas Neach all of time. There's, there's a full week, and in this week there's a cycle which repeats itself throughout the year. So Shabbos Neach, therefore, is a is a general Shabbos 
or maybe the right word in, to use in Los Angeles is it's a mother Shabbos. It's a Shabbos which blesses, which is a source of many other Shabbos. Because it's the first Shabbos in which we have the conclusion of six days of activity during the week. Just like when God made the world in six days and rest on the seventh day, so too our first full week of actual activity in the, wor- in the world, first full week, is, um, is this non-holiday week, is this week, and includes within it all the weeks of the year. And therefore, on the Shabbos, we have a need and we have an experience, we have a blessing, of sh- we have of tranquility after this week of, of activity, this week of being engaged in the world. Shem then gives us now Parshas Noyach, Shabbos of Noyach, which is a, a time of, of tranquility. So it comes out that Shabbos Bereshis is the source of the blessing of Parshas Noyach. Thank you. Uh, the source of the blessing of the week of, of, of Noyach. So that's why Shabbos Bereshis is so pivotal because it's a source of the week of, of, the, of Noyach. So that's why in potential, Shabbos Bereshis is the way things happen Shabbos Bereshis, that's the way things happen the whole year because that's what blesses the week of Noyach. But Parshas Noyach is not just a week of activity and potential. Bereshis, there is the potential energy. Where is the kinetic energy of, of uh, an actual activity in the world? That begins on Parshas Noyach. So whatever Shabbos Bereshis was in potential, Shabbos Noyach is in kinetic and actual. Shabbos Bereshis is just the ability to get stuff done. Shabbos Noyach is the litmus test. Did you actually get anything done? Shabbos Noyach is, is, is the first, uh, let's say, the first um, uh, streetlight. And it's, okay, so you got the blessing of, of Parshas Bereshis, you went into the world, now what'd you do? So that's, this is the litmus test to know how the world this year is actually going to go. So you could also connect this to the theme of this week's parasha. One of the common denominators of both Parshas Bereshis and Parshas Noach, and again, the Parshas Noach has something more than Shabbos Bereshis, is regarding um, one of the common denominators they have, which we'll see a common denominator, yet something that Parshas Noach surpasses Parshas Bereshis, is that the day of creation. In Parshas Bereshis, talks about creation. God created the heaven and the earth, and not just the heaven and the earth, but the details of the heaven and the earth. In Parshas Noach, it doesn't just talk about creation. It talks about God's promise, God's oath, not just a promise, that the world will continue to exist. That this is my sign for all generations. I give my rainbow in the cloud as a sign between me and the world that the world will continue to go on. So what's the difference between the way Hashem created the world in Parshas Bereshis and His promise that the world will always go on in Parshas Noach? The difference is like this. Parshas Bereshis talks about the way God made the world. God made the world in a perfect way. So the world now has veered from God's desire, veered from the way God created it. He made it to be perfect. emissary <laughs> to Italy. He on um, on Kingston Avenue after a long forbringing. I don't remember if he was wearing socks, but he's, well, I wouldn't suspect him of, of specifically wearing socks after such a long forbringing. Anyways, but it was no snowing. Look at the snow. He says it comes from the sky. It's white. It's beautiful. And what do we have in the world? We have mud. So uh, Kingston Avenue, after a snowstorm, you know it's all dirty. Anyways, so the point is, the way God made the world, it's beautiful. But then the world veered from God's desire. And as it says in the conclusion of Parshas Bereshis, God saw all that man had done, 
the wickedness of man. God regretted creating the world. Okay, so that's perf- so the perfection of the world that God made is in precious gracious, and the world goes away from the way God made it. God, the world stops being perfect. How is man supposed to know what God wanted? <laughs> there you go. The only thing God told him is not to eat from the tree. No, God gave Adam six commandments. And the seventh commandment, yeah, the seventh commandment was given to Neach. Parashas Neach talks about the perfection of the world, the way it is by itself. Not the way God made it to be perfect, but the way the world, as it is a world, becomes perfect. That means even when the world has descended and veered and gone off the, uh, the GPS system, God's positioning system, and has descended very low, it's still possible to fix it through tshuva. And therefore God says, that when I have this, this a, a thought about destroying the world, when I have a cloud, and it's a cloudy day, so to speak, when there's a thought in my mind, I want to destroy the world, Hashem says, I will see the rainbow in the cloud, and I will remember this. And that means that God has made a promise with Noah that in, through his effort in a world, that's, there's no world lower than this kind of world, a world that has, has descended uh, in ways that are, uh, leave much to be desired, to say the least, yet... God promises Noach that there will be a nachas ruach, there will be tranquility, that Noach, through his efforts, can rectify this, what, what's going on, and God's desire and creation will be fulfilled, which is to make a home in this world. In other words, Parashas Bereshis talks about the way the world is in potential. The world is per- perfect in potential. God made the world be potentially perfect. It's, the world's souped up, and has all it needs to be in the perfect world that God wants it to be. Parshas Noach talks about the world actually becoming that way. That even though the world has descended and the world has gotten messed up and has gotten so low in a way that can't get any lower, the world is full of corruption. Yet despite the world's great descent, the world becomes purified. Until, as the Torah says, Noach saw post-flood a brand new world. Do you hear the difference? It's not, it's not the way that we conventionally look at, 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 at the Parshas. No, ordinarily, we think, no, Parshas Reishas is, is a perfect world that God made, and Parshas Nef, the world gets messed up. But let's look at post the world getting messed up. What happened afterwards? There's a promise of God. The world will always continue. Why? Because Hashem empowers Noach and all of us to perfect and make the world to be a home for Hashem. So therefore, the world will always continue because Hashem empowers us, no matter how low the world has gotten, the uttermost descent possible, it's not going to stay that way. It's going to be elevated. The world, not just what is potentially perfect, Hashem empowers the world to become practically and actually perfect. It's not just created, Parshas Breshis is the ideal plan of God, right? That's, I just, I just be idealistic. Parshas Neach is moving away from... Uh, I, it's moving from, from idealism to practicality. The world will become perfect, and it's going to actually happen, and you could do it. It's a, different, it's a whole different thing. Let's go deeper. There's something that Parshas Noach does that surpasses the perfection of Parshas Breshas. Not just we're going from uh, being um, potentially good to being actually good. There's something that Parshas Noach adds to the equation that surpasses the perfection of Shabbos Breshas, that surpasses the way that God made the world. As the Torah says about Noah, that God himself said about Noah in the conclusion of Parshas Breshas, that Noah found favor in the eyes of God. When God created the world, it says Elohim 32 times. Elohim is the name of a God which, which is associated with Hashem's ability, Hashem's power. So Elohim 
Hashem's power creates the world. It says that name again 32 times. It's about God's power in creation. And that name of Hashem is numerically equivalent to Hatava, which means nature. It's because it, that's because this is the, the godly energy that is limited to um, vivify the world. It's the godly energy which sustains and is, which is filtered enough um, it's distilled enough from being infinite so that it could be something that could um, fit in the world and, and create nature. I don't know why there are two. I don't know. I'm sure there is a reason why. It's to do with the fact that it equals the light and Very likely. I just, I just don't know. Um, I'm sure Ramendel Futafal said, I knew 20 times and forgot 20 times. I'm, I'm sure, it could be a Ditsi, I have no idea. I don't know. But the, although it does continue in Parshish Rashis. It's made a point that that's what it is. It's got to be the reason. There's no question, there's definitely a reason. Um, the, although it continues on in Parshish Rashis and says that God, Hashem Elohim, concluded in making the world. So it talks about Yudke Vavke as well. It talks about Yudke Vavke being there as well. But it's not talking about Yudke Vavke. The way Yudke Vavke is um, in, a, in its, nat- in, so to speak, natural state of being infinite. But rather when Yudke Vavke, the infinite light of Hashem, is limited and is able to be filtered to animate and sustain the world. We're talking about the infinite light of Hashem. I, I know if we, we discussed this um, in our weekday shiurims, I don't know if, if our weekday listeners have heard this about this, but we discussed a few parables, the previous Rebbe, discussing the relationship between Yuki Vavke and Shem Elikim. One parable was of um, a teacher and student. When the teacher takes an idea and he limits it and he compresses it, so now the student is getting the teacher's ideas, albeit in a compressed form. The teacher is using a parable, now the student has these ideas, the same ideas as the teacher. But it's, it's, it's now in, it's a different form, but it's still the same idea as the teacher. When water is put into a dam, not the dam we spoke about this week, but a dam that actually works and, and, and limits the water so that the water can now go into a sink and to, to, to be poured into a cup. So although there's all, these, all these, this, this filtering and limitation has, has been happening, the water itself is the water of the river, the same water. And when you take an idea which has not yet been compartmentalized into words and, and you com- concretize it into words, so, um, so you are taking something which is, which is not in the words, but now in the, in the words you have the idea itself. So to in Shem Elokim, Hashem's infinite light, Yudke Vavke, is a source of creation. But then Hashem's light descends into the name of Elokim, which, which limits it and... Yes, Yudke Vavke is a source of creation. Yudke Vavke, it's the water itself that's making us tick. It's the infinite light of Hashem which is making us tick. But however, this water has now been um, gone through this process of tzimtzum so that it's, not, no, it's no longer um, revealed to us in an infinite way. All that we are experiencing is Elohim. We're experiencing the water in the cup. We're not experiencing the water in the river, although that's what's making us tick. It's the same water. So, so though the Torah does discuss Yudke Vavke, the conclusion of Parshas Breshas, uh, not a conclusion, but further in Parshas Breshas mentioned Yudke Vavke, but Yudke Vavke, the Yudke Vavke is filtered by Shem Elkim. What's unique about Noach is that Noach finds favor in the eyes of Havaya. 
he finds favor in the eyes of Yud Kevavke himself. That the world is created, yes, through the name of Hashem of Elohim. It hides the name of Hashem. But Noach connects with Yud Kevavke the way it's beyond the world. That means in the world itself, we have Yud Kevavke the way it's filtered through Shem Elohim. But Noach reveals in the world, the world that's created by Shem Elohim, he reveals the river itself. It's not just as being powered by the river, not just the water of the river is going in some, into the cup, but you're getting the river itself through Noach. You're getting the idea itself through Noach. You're getting the ideas of the teacher himself through Noach. You're getting the infinite light of Hashem through Noach. So it's revealed in the world that you could see that the symptom isn't real. You could see that, that, that although, although the water is fitting into the cup, it isn't really the water of the cup, it's the water of the river. Noach reveals to us the infinite light of Hashem in the world. So it's not in a way that this revelation um, remains aloof and above the world. Rather, in the world that's created with Shem Elokim, in the world, in the cup, you are seeing the river. Ordinarily, you think that the cup is not the river because there's so much symptom, so much so different. But Noach brings the infinite light of Hashem into the world, so that we're not just experiencing Yukivavke, uh, not just experiencing Yukivavke, but also experiencing the infinite light of Hashem. And in the name of Hashem itself, there are different levels. There's a lower level of Yukivavke, there's a higher level of Yukivavke, and Noach reveals not just Yukivavke. But as we say in the conclusion of Ni'ila, we say Hashem Elokim again and again, because we're talking about higher and higher levels of Yudke Vavke. That in Elokim, Hashem Hu Elokim, we're saying in our experiencing, in our cup, in our um, classroom with the teacher where everything is put into parables, in there we're saying, no, it's Yudke Vavke. We're experiencing it, Yudke Vavke. And higher levels of Yudke Vavke, higher and higher in this physical world. That's what Parshas Nech is about. So we could possibly say, that this idea, that in the world itself, of Shem Elokim, in the name, this world of concealment, there's a revelation, Yuki Vavke, uh, we, we could see this idea in God's promise not to destroy the world. In God's promise, I will, I will give the rainbow in the cloud. Something about those words highlight this revelation. First of all, God's promise the world should always continue. The, the consistency that we see in creation underscores the infinity in creation. You could see there's a river here, you could see there's something infinite here, by the fact that there's a consistency in creation. In order for something to be consistent, there has to be something infinite, because otherwise it cha- everything in the world changes. How can something have a consistent, be so consistent and not change? It's because it's not being powered by limited force. Because it's not being powered by limited force, therefore it, it it's, it's, it's doesn't change. Um, remember when I was in the seventh grade, our science teacher, Mr. B, he, uh, we, had, we, had, we had to figure out, to make a mechanism that would, um, that would power a car. So one kid put a rubber band, one kid did this, one kid did that. But I did, it didn't work. But I told Mr. B what I was trying to do was I was trying to make something in a way that it should, it should restart it again. It should be consistent. <laughs> he said, if you, if you made one of those, you, 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 you got it made. They haven't discovered anything like that anywhere. <laughs> there's, there's no such thing like that. It, it, but that's, that's, the, that's, that's what, in the promise of Hashem Tanayach, that's infinity. That's not something that, that a human being can make. A, a, a force that constantly recreates it. It's something that, 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 that doesn't decrease. 
So that's how we see Hashem's, this idea of infinity in the world and God's promise for the world to continue on and on. Also, in the idea of the rainbow and the cloud also indicates the same idea. Why? How is a rainbow formed? First of all, there's a cloud. The cloud is formed from, as it says in the Torah, Ve'ed yalem in the aretz, and mist rises from the earth, makes a cloud. And the cloud has become so... Um, before, it says, before the flood, the clouds were more dense. They were unable to reflect the light of the sun. And now, through the flood, the clouds were, became more uh, of a, a less dense, and they were able to refract, whatever the word is, the light of the sun, so that a rainbow could be formed. That's why there's no, there's no, um, um, uh, there were no rainbows before. So, the, in, in, the, in, in, the, in the rainbow, you have the light of the sun. The sun is a parable for God's name. It says, Shem HaShavaya. The sun is compared to the infinite light of Hashem. And then there is a covering of the sun, which is compared to Shem Elohim, which hides the sun, which limits the sun. So you have the light of the sun itself in the cloud. And the, sun, and the cloud is, is receiving it in a way that it reflects it. So that, that means you have an expression of Yudke Vavke, the infinite light of Hashem, in, in, in the world. The world has become sufficiently, the world has produced this mist that arises from the ground. And the mist is no longer in a state of, of being so dense that it cannot re- receive the light of the sun, but, but it can. And, 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 it, and it projects the light of the sun as it receives it, and that's, why, that's where the rainbow is formed. And these two ideas are connected to each other. The, um, the, the rainbow um, underscores how Hashem will continue to sustain the world. In other words, what are the two ideas? The idea number one is that Hashem will continuously create the world. The consistency in creation, which we said it highlights Hashem's infinity because how can the world go on and on without um, losing its energy? The fact that it goes on and on highlights that there's something infinite in, in, um, in creation. And the second idea, the reflection of Yud Kivavka, the reflection of the sun in the cloud, these two ideas are connected to each other. By, in, we, we see this idea that in all of the people, I'll call Basar Shela Aretz, in all flesh that God has made upon the earth, you could see the power that animates it and creates it. You could see Yukivavka, you could see the infinite light of Hashem. You could see not just the power of Hashem within creation, but the power of Hashem which is beyond creation. Yudke Vavke, that name of Hashem, has in it three words, past, present, and future. And the Zohar says it's not saying that Hashem always was and is and will always be. Rather, the Zohar says that that name of Hashem highlights how Hashem is beyond time, that simultaneously He was, is, and will be. So in, you, in the world, you see something of Yudke Vavke. You see something of, of Hashem's infinity, not just Hashem's infinity, but besides the name of Yudke Vavke highlighting how Hashem is beyond time, in Yudke Vavke you also have the essence of Hashem. It's a name of, there are seven names of Hashem which cannot be erased, but the main name of Hashem, the name which refers to God's essence, is Yudke Vavke. So in creation you see the power of God's essence. It says in Tanya, in order to produce a world that feels like it has no source, it only could, that could only happen if the world indeed has no source. In other words, because the world comes from God Himself, the, God Himself is the one who makes it possible for there to be 
an existence that feels it has no, that doesn't come from anywhere. Sort of our atheistic um, uh, reaction to our existence, that we are here by ourselves, I am what I am, I am what I am, that's all I am, in the language of Rapapai, that, 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 that tendency that we have actually originates from the essence of Hashem, who is the source of everything that exists. So the um, physical reality is, uh, it's noticeable in the physical reality that what is it about really? It's about the true existence, about the essence of Hashem. That's what Parshas Neich is about. It's expression of the essence of Hashem in the physical reality. So, so, so far what we learned is, is that Parshas Bereshis is about creating the world in a potentially perfect way, then the world veers from that, and Parshas Neich is about the world through Teshuvah, uh, through being purified, is now able to um, practically and actually be perfect, but not just be perfect, but to have in it a higher godly light that was there than when God created. When God created the world, all that was noticeable in the world was the name of Elohim. And now through this tshuva, through this purification process, the world is now able to be in touch with Yudke Vavke as you see in God's promise for the world to continue. You see, you see the infinite, infinite power of Hashem in the world continuously going on and on. Like that's what I used to think about the, energi- the Energizer Bunny commercials. How do they have the power to keep on keeping that, 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 that commercial going on and on? They must have a lot, a lot of money. Okay, whatever. Lousy example. But anyways, you see the infinite light of Hashem in the, um, the, uh, the, the world continuously going on and on. And also you see the infinite light of Hashem, a, a reflection of, the, a, an example, a representation of that in the sun being re- reflected in the clouds. So now, add one more point, and I'll conclude that point for today, and that is, this achievement of Parshas Noyach, and why Parshas Noyach is so pivotal, because this is actually the way we're in the world, we're doing stuff here in the world, and we could see, did Parshas Bereshas give us anything? This achievement is also alluded to in Parshas Lachacha, which we begin reading in the afternoon of Parshas Noyach. Lachacha means real movement. Real movement, dramatic change from where you were before. Dramatic or ein aroich, no comparison to where you were before. Real lechacha means that you are completely changing from where you were before and you're going to something incomparable to what you were. And what does God say? Lechacha, God says, leave your land and I will bring you to the land that I will show you. So Chassidus explains, not just I will show you a land, Hashem says, I will show you who you are. That through this dramatic change, Hashem reveals to us who we really are. That means by a Jew being in this physical world and doing what he needs to do in this world, what, 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 what is noticeable now? What, what, what's seen? What's revealed by a Jew being in the physical world and doing what he needs to do? You see the essence, the true reality of every Jew. That in any situation he may be, even though when the world is in a very low state, you see how he is bound with godliness. And not only is he bound with godliness, you see how he is able to achieve a change in the world and elevate and purify the world and real godliness in the world. And by him making this dramatic change in himself, this also causes a higher dramatic change in the level of godliness that's revealed in the world that 
that it's noticeable even in Shema Lakim, even in, in the name of our God, which is associated with creation, you can see that it's, what is the real reality of Elohim? What's the real reality of the cup, of the water in the cup? The real reality of the water in the cup is the water of the river. By Jew making this dramatic change in himself, and him doing what God wants him to do in the world as it is in a lowly state. By him doing that, you see who a Jew is. I will show you who you are, God says. Go to the land. Make that change, Hashem says, and do what you need to do. I will show you who you are. And that will also reveal in the world what the world is. That will reveal the name of Lakim, how name of Lakim, that the water in the cup, that the ideas of the, of the students, that the, 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 the way ideas are concretized in words. What is it really? It's really the idea itself. It's really the ideas of the teacher. It's really the water of the river. At the world itself, it's revealed how it's really you, Kevavke. L'chaim, l'chaim, v'racha. A good chedesh. So, on a physical level, we're not so far off from your idea. There are no such thing as infinity engines, engines that will power themselves. However, the next thing that's written in the story is hydrogen. Because hydrogen power, you can take hydrogen, combine it with oxygen, and you can get electricity. I don't know why you have to go so far. Earth is a continuation of what? Well, but I'm saying the ability of the 